This is the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. We are a church passionate about encountering Jesus and sharing his love with our city. To find out more about who we are, visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk. Good morning. Good morning. It's an I'm sorry to interrupt your conversations. I mean, <laughs> please feel free to continue those afterwards. It's an utter, utter joy to be with you this morning. Um, very moving, actually. Like, very moving. You know, we, we knew you when you were just a twinkle in your mother's eye, as it were. You know, like, uh, we've, we've known Hannah for, for a really, really long time. And uh, we had to let her go in order that she would come here. And, and I, don't, I think she had to uh, go and serve with the kids. But I'll just say about her what I would say if she was in the room. And then you can maybe pass it on to her. But she, what, like, planting a church is not for the faint-hearted. Uh, planting a church as a single woman in Scotland, moving to a new city, uh, just immediately before a global pandemic to plant a church and for this to be the result of all of that is a miracle actually it's, it's, it's remarkable it's unprecedented I would say and so we are deeply deeply proud of her isn't she an amazing leader can we just give her a cheer she can't hear it but we can, maybe on the on the on the podcast or whatever, she'll hear it. And um, also, Ali and Fee are also doing a, an amazing job. And neither of them is in the room either, which is slightly odd. So I could, do, I could say anything. There they are. They're, they're amazing. They're literally holding the baby uh, at the moment. And so it's fantastic to be here. Let me just say very briefly uh, about the conference that you just heard about. You're all invited. So I know it's called the Scottish Leaders Conference. We're using leader in the broadest possible sense. If you have an influence in the lives of anyone else, uh, then, then you're really welcome. We're not going to be checking people on the door saying, oh no, you're not a leader. I don't know what you're doing here. Uh, we're not going to do any of that. Uh, and it'll, the truth is, it'll never be cheaper than it is this time around because we've just happened to borrow a building from someone. Uh, the, probably the lineup of speakers will never be as good as it is this year. And we would just love you to come to just join with all the rest of the Vineyard tribe around Scotland. And so you're really welcome. It's in like four weeks' time. You'll need to book in. Please don't book in like the day before because that is quite stressful. And, and we'd rather not live with that level of stress. So uh, booking in any time now would be, would be really great. There's already hundreds of people booked in, but you, you, we want you to represent Sterling Vineyard. That'd be brilliant. Um, so I want to teach this morning on a moment from the Apostle Paul's life when he arrives in Thessalonica. And we're going to look at two passages of Scripture that talk about the same moment. One of them written by Luke in the book of Acts and then another one um, written by the Apostle Paul himself a few months after he'd moved on from Thessalonica. But by way of explanation for the context of uh, where we find ourselves in at the moment, I wanted to tell this story. So I don't know whether anyone is aware, anyone came across this news story of Yoshio Yamakawa and Suzuki Nikochi. Does anyone recognize those names? Nobody. Okay, so to be fair, it is a news story from 2005, and so some of you weren't even born in 2005, but never mind. Um, these were uh, two Japanese 
soldiers in their mid-80s who were discovered just off a, in an, a kind of remote island just off the Philippines, still fighting the Second World War in 2005. Uh, they, they'd been given strict instructions by, I guess, the Emperor of Japan at that time to just take this island and hold it at whatever costs. And so there they were, living under strict military discipline and, uh, you know, just strictly obeying the orders that they'd been given until... 2005, because everybody forgot to tell them that they weren't needed anymore. And they weren't the only ones. It turns out that there were others. Those were the most extreme example, but there was also Shoiki Yokoi, who was found still fighting the war in the jungles of Guam in 1972. And also there was Hiru Onodar, who was found in Indonesia in 1974. Now, uh, you might be thinking, what on earth has that got to do with anything? I've just been thinking about those guys over the last few months and just thinking that their story is the story that's told about the church in our day. A diminishing group of eccentrics. Everybody forgot to tell them that they weren't needed anymore, still following the orders of a long-forgotten king. You know, the truth is, and I'm sure you've experienced this, that there are lots of people who are telling the story about the church in that way. And uh, the impression is kind of, well, uh, it's great that you're here. Um, really, really useful that you're feeding the poor. You know, by all means, run a food bank for, uh, for the people who have fallen under the wheels of the bus in the uh, cost of living crisis. But please just don't bore us with what you believe. Because that isn't relevant in our society. And, and that story, I don't, I mean, this is probably a deeply inappropriate thing for a pastor to admit. But I can feel that story impacting my own heart, my own expectations. I can feel, I don't know, what, maybe, I don't know whether anyone else feels this, but I can feel myself turning in on myself, holding my tongue not expecting anyone to be interested in what I've got to say when it comes to the message of Jesus. I can, I, and like I say, it's a deeply inappropriate thing for, for a pastor to admit. But, but how many of us are in that situation of just feeling ourselves turning in and holding our tongues, almost as if the gospel has no power anymore? And yet, of course... Um, that's utter, utter nonsense. You know, the gospel has more power than it's ever had in so many ways. You know, the, the Christian faith is the fastest growing faith in the world. Uh, in 1910, there were 600 million followers of Jesus on the face of the earth. And then when they did the same uh, check in uh, 2010, that number was 2.3 billion. And so actually, there is another story at work, and that story is true, that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended upon the church, and it was like a holy bomb going off in Jerusalem. Uh, and from that moment, the gospel has been spreading from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth, and, we'll, uh, and uh, the church will continue to grow until the knowledge of the glory of God is like the waters covering the sea. And so we have to choose which story we live in and we live out. Is it the story of those soldiers? Bless them. No one told them they weren't needed anymore. Still following the orders of a long forgotten king. Or is it that we're part of a movement, a gospel movement, that is about communicating the good news of Jesus to as many people as we possibly can, 
until Jesus returns for his bride and he's hoping that she'll be plump. Um, it seems to me that as we as a movement, vineyard movement, emerge from COVID, which is really a globally cataclysmic event that has just been absolutely extraordinary, we have an opportunity to reconsider what we want our churches to be about. Like, what do we want to be for? And there are so many things that we don't know, aren't there? You know, we, we, like, we don't know what post-COVID church will do, really, or what it will look like, or what models or forms it will take. But we have a decision to make, and it's this. Will we be people who make disciples? Because what we see in the text of Scripture is we see a group of people who are doing different things in different ways, but their ultimate ambition is this. It's to be obedient to Jesus. When he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? And, and uh, you know, he promised them. He said, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, um, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so there's a call and there's a promise and we have a decision to make. Are we going to live out the call of God in our generation? And the truth is, uh, forgive me, this is the world's longest introduction. We will get to the Bible, I promise. But the, the truth is that even though the church is growing at a remarkable rate all over the world, in Scotland at the moment there's a spiritual apocalypse happening. And I don't know whether you're aware of the statistics, but just before we moved to Aberdeen in 2002, they did a, a survey of the church in Scotland where they, they, they um, did a kind of educated guess. The, the number of Christians in church on a particular Sunday in May in 2002, and that number was 572,000 people. And then when they did the same survey in 2016, that number was 390,000. And so in case you're, you know, mental arithmetic isn't your thing, one third of the church in Scotland, one third disappeared between 2002 and 2016. And so like when we gather together and we do church, like it's really important that we make, make this decision post-COVID, are we going to be a gospel-proclaiming people? Are we going to be, a, like, it's fine. I'm sure there are people here who you relocated to Stirling and so you look for a church and you found this one and there'll be other people here. Something happened in your previous church and for whatever reason it felt like the appropriate thing to do to move on and to come here and I'm sure that's great. But this church... Like my ambition for you, and I, and I believe Jesus' ambition for you, is that you would communicate the good news of Jesus to as many people as you possibly can, and you would see hundreds and hundreds of people baptised into the name of Jesus in this region. And so the question that I want to ask as we come to the scriptures is, how do we go about sharing our faith with people who don't know Jesus. Like, how, like just, oh, I want to be really practical. What does it look like for us as a, a church family of vineyard churches to be people who communicate the good news of Jesus to as many people as we can? And uh, so Acts chapter 17 is where we're going to be. It'll come up on the screen. Um, 
If you have a Bible with you in the original book form, then you get a special gold star. It's also available in digital format as well, and it will come up on the screen. Uh, Acts chapter 17, and we're going to read from verse 1. It says this, When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus, I am proclaiming to you, is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the some bad characters I love how the, from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They're all defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. So that's Luke's account of Paul's visit to Thessalonica. And it turns out that he moved on from there. And then about three or four months later, I think from Ephesus, if my uh, memory is working, he wrote his first ever letter, which was the, the letter to the Thessalonians. So he's writing to the Thessalonian church. I've lost my place in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. She's gone missing from my Bible. Here you go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 4. He says this, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he's chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And those two are our texts for today. So what can we learn from the Apostle Paul about how to share our faith? I think Paul has four tools that he uses as he shares his faith. The first tool he uses is persuasion. In other words, he uses words. So we read there, uh, Acts 17 verse 2, Paul went into the synagogue and he reasoned with them from the scriptures. And he goes on to use words like explaining and proclaiming. And then in verse 4, he says, it says some of the Jews were persuaded as were a large number of others. So in other words, there's no getting around it. As much as we might want to avoid this, this tricky idea, um, Paul used his tongue, his teeth, his lips, his vocal cords, and he spoke out the good news of Jesus. When I was a, a new Christian, age 15, I'd all, I was already pretty awkward, right? You know, teenager, age 15. 
But then I became a Christian. I was even more awkward. And then I came across this sentence from um, the, the teaching of St. Francis of Assisi. He said, preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. And I was like, this is brilliant. I'm just going to live my life in such a way as people just kind of slip into the kingdom. And so, for example, I, I went into the Christian bookshop. And I discovered that they sold T-shirts with Christian slogans on. And I was like, this is a good start, right? So, so I had one. It looked like, from a distance, like it said, heavy metal. But when you got closer, it said, heavenly metal. See, it's good, isn't it? And there was another one. There was another one. It, it said, worship the best. And... I really loved that T-shirt. I wore it all the time. It faded in the wash until it looked like it said, Worship the Beast, which was the completely the wrong thing. I wasn't trying to communicate that at all, so I had to stop wearing it and kind of ceremonially burn it. The other thing me and my friends did was we, we bought coloured T-shirts and white gloves and we went out into the high street of Kingston-upon-Thames and we performed Mime for Jesus. It wasn't terribly effective. And uh, what we used to do is some of us would do the mime and other, others of us, we wouldn't wear the colour T-shirt and the gloves. We would be like a pretend crowd, right? You know, because a crowd gathers a crowd. Again, that wasn't terribly effective. And also we used to pray for revival. Because that's our, you know, like if, if God walks the land like he has in previous generations, then they just, again, people, you know, he introduces himself personally to people and it doesn't require me to say anything. And so, so we, I, I, I believe, I still pray for revival, by the way. But um, so 15 year old kid, like, you know, like the, the church prayer meeting for revival was at six o'clock on a Wednesday morning. And so I set my alarm one Wednesday morning, didn't go off. Or at least I slept through it. And so then I started setting other alarms around the room. Anyone ever done that? You know, to try and make sure that I was going to be awake. For the, it still didn't work. And so for several weeks in a row, I just said, it's appearing in your evangelistic efforts. He said, I've just noticed that everything that you're doing involves not... I stayed up all night. So Tuesday night, didn't go to bed. Because I was desperate to pray for revival so that Jesus would introduce himself to people and then my um, as kind of a, a mentor figure a spiritual father in my life he took me to one side and he said listen I really want to commend your efforts and your ambition but can I just point out a trend actually speaking to anyone I was like yeah yeah that is actually true and then he said this he said our gospel is a spoken gospel it turns out, preach the gospel if necessary, use words. Words are always necessary. It's always necessary, words of introduction, words of invitation, words of explanation. And they're the words that our work colleagues and our neighbours and our friends and the people we meet at the gym are longing, longing to hear. There's a survey carried out by the Evangelical Alliance recently. They, they did a survey of 4,000 adults in the UK. And there were loads and loads of statistics that came out of it. But one, there were two statistics that are really significant. One of them was they said that half of, the uh, half of the people interviewed said that they didn't know a Christian. Now, statistically, that's impossible. 
You know, there are too many of us out there for half of the population to not know a Christian. The reality was half of the people interviewed didn't know that they knew a Christian because those Christians hadn't blown their cover. The other fascinating statistic was this. One in three people who were interviewed said that um, having had one conversation about faith in Jesus, they wanted to have more conversations about faith in Jesus. So in other words, right, let's say, you know, like this, we're all in the same room today, which is lovely. Um, tomorrow we'll be scattered, right? And let's just say that somebody here works in an office with 18 colleagues, right? And so there you are, you're with your 18 colleagues and maybe someone puts the kettle on about 11 o'clock and you're all just having a conversation about what you did at the weekend and you happen to say, well, actually, I went to church yesterday, and they say, oh, really, why was that? Well, I, I, I've been going to church for some time because Jesus has absolutely changed my life. It turns out that if you were to do that tomorrow morning, of those 18 people, 12 of those people couldn't care less if they ever have that conversation again. But six people, that's the beginning of their journey. They want to know more after you've said that. And so it seems to me that it's time for us as the church to put on our big boy pants and to open our mouths and to share the reason for the hope that we have. Now you might say, I don't know where I'm going to get those words from. You know, like whenever I'm finding myself in a situation where I'm given the opportunity to share my faith, I'm, I, my mouth goes dry and I can't think of what to say and all of that. Three, just very briefly, three places you might get your words from. The first place is you might get your words from the Holy Spirit. Jesus made this amazing promise in uh, Luke, no, yeah, Luke chapter 12, verse 11. He said, when you're brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you'll defend yourselves or what you'll say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what to say. Let's just do a little survey here this morning. This is like audience participation. Just, uh, I don't know, I'm presuming that not everyone in the room is a Christian uh, and I don't know how long you've been a Christian for, but let's just do a survey Put up your hand if at some point in your life, as you've, uh, someone's asked you a question or you've been talking about your faith in some kind of a way, you've found yourself saying things that took you by surprise and you were aware that the Holy Spirit in that moment was giving you the words to speak. Just look around the room. Like, the, what Jesus said would happen, happens. We will get the words to say as we speak. That's the first source. The second thing is, we'll get the words from the scriptures. You'll see what uh, Paul's doing here. Verse 2, it says, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. And as I was just praying this morning in my study before we got in the car, I turned around and the bookshelf behind me, really important to have a bookshelf behind you for Zoom, right? We've all learned that during lockdown. But I just noticed I've got... Eight Bibles. Some people will have more Bibles than that. And it just occurred to me, like, I've become so familiar with the Bible that I'm almost taking it for granted how powerful it really is. We, Taryn and I were having dinner with a, a couple from our church who've recently joined, or fairly recently joined, and, and um, he was saying that, that he grew up in India 
in a very strict Hindu family. And he was saying that, that as a young man, somebody he knew gave him a Bible. And just one night, he opened the Bible and he started to read. He said he, they told him to start reading at John's Gospel. So he started reading John's Gospel and he just felt this joy surging up within him. And he closed the book. And then he opened it again and again, this joy just bursting within him. And he was just totally overwhelmed. And, and so he tried it out. He was like, I'm going to read this book. Nothing. Read the Bible. Oh, my goodness. I'm meeting Jesus in the pages of this book. And very shortly after that, he surrendered his life to Jesus. All of this is just me saying, let's not take the power of the scriptures for granted. And it's even more important, if we want to be gospel people, that we kind of, like a tea bag, we kind of steep ourselves in the pages of this book. And then during the course of the week, those pages can then kind of leak out of us when we're with other people. Where else would I get my words from? Third answer, I get my words from, well, it turns out you don't need all the words. Especially if you run the Alpha course. I went on your website this morning, you run the Alpha course. Turns out the Alpha course has got lots of words in it. And so all you need to do is invite your friends to the Alpha course, and then the Alpha course will speak some of the words for you. Paul uses persuasion. Second one, power. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5, our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. Now, if you were just reading that and you'd never read the Bible before, you'd think, I don't really know what that means. It's not very, there's not much explanation. There's not much kind of context. We don't really know what that looks like. But helpfully, this was like one of Paul's, one of his common themes that he uses in lots of his letters. This, his explanation of, what, remember when I was with you, I preached the gospel and I also demonstrated the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he, he picks up on that thread and elaborates on it in other places. So for example, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 4, he says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So from that we learn it's not just any abstract power, it's the personal power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's not just like random power, it's demonstrated power. And then again in Romans 15, he's talking about it again, and he's talking about this priestly duty he has of communicating the good news of Jesus. And in verse 18 he says, by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so all of that is really to say this, that when Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, you will receive power as you're my witnesses, that was not a hollow promise. Do you know the power that is made available to you to demonstrate the truth of the resurrection of Jesus? In fact, in Acts 14, just a couple of chapters before the one that I read, it says, So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. And so maybe tomorrow you're going to find yourself by the proverbial water cooler, and somebody will say, oh, I've got a broken leg or a broken heart, and your opportunity will be, I'm going to pray for you. Two quick stories. I'm so conscious of the time. You normally finish about now, don't you? About 10 past 12, and I'm only like halfway through. But never mind, we'll edit on the fly. It's okay, it's okay. So, uh, story number one 
is, uh, uh, just heard in the staff meeting about three weeks ago, there was a, a, a guy in the church, he met this lady, and she was saying, oh, I'm desperately worried about my son. He's got really significant problems with his eyes. He's losing his sight, um, and they're worse than ever. We've got an, an appointment this week with the hospital, and we're going to, you know, like, it's, it's a real concern. And he said, well, listen, let me just pray for you and your son. And so they stood, and, and she didn't have any faith, but they prayed together. And then she saw him the next week, and she said, you'll never guess what happened. We went to the hospital. We had the appointment. The optometrist, or whatever the word is, um, looked at his eyes, and they said, something really dramatic has happened to his eyes. There's been an improvement to the degree now where his prescription is way too strong for his eyes. It's amazing. And she's now pursuing faith. She's been visiting one of our sites uh, of our church and, she, and she's on her way towards becoming a Christian, I would say. Another story. It had been really bad the last couple of days. He'd had no sleep for two days and she said it was like he was in labour. He was just in agony and she was making all the kind of labour sounds. just so painful. And so this lady in our church said, I'm coming over to pray. And so she laid her hands on him and she, as she began to pray... Um, I don't know whether we can just have the first picture. Okay, so, so this is the first picture. Um, they, they laid their hands on him. He immediately was like knocked out by the Holy Spirit. He was like profusely sweating and, and he was like shaking. But he was, he was complete, like they thought, is he having some kind of cardiac issue? And they nearly called the ambulance, but they were like, no, it seems to be the Lord. So they kept praying. After uh, like 10, 15 minutes, he suddenly kind of came back round, and, and he was like, oh my goodness, my foot. And so the left foot, you can see here, this is his foot, I don't know how well you can see it, but very swollen, very red, taken 20 minutes before this picture where his right foot is completely normal. Do you understand the power that is available to us? Power. Okay, uh, uh, next slide. Okay, presence, we're going to skip over. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. God is with you. And the last one, persistence. <laughs> Acts chapter 17, verse 2. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbaths he reasoned with them. And what follows is, is two things. First of all, loads and loads of people come to faith in Thessalonica. The second thing is that there's a riot as a result and Paul and Silas are, are basically um, pushed out of town. And, and they go running on and, and then they, it says in verse 10, I read there, as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. So they went to the Jewish synagogue in Thessalonica and then they're pushed out of town. Where do they go when they get to Berea? The Jewish synagogue. In other words, if we want a life of fruitfulness in which people we know and the people we love come to know Jesus and walk with him for the rest of their lives. It's going to take that kind of persistence where we just keep going. And I'll just finish with this. Taryn's granddad was a fierce atheist. And 
when she was a child, it was really awkward, apparently, because, uh, you know, like age three or four years old, she'd be like, Granddad, why don't you believe in Jesus? And he'd, and he'd kind of mutter something and say, but don't you want to be with us when we're in heaven? And, and he would, you know, everyone else was like clenching their buttocks and, and just being ever so awkward. But, you know, even when I met him in his late 70s, he was just a fiercely independent, strong man. You know, like I could remember he, he was like um, sanding the ceiling of the first flat that we had in age like 79 up a rickety ladder just with a piece of sandpaper just fierce and strong and then aged 87 he was sat down with Taryn's mum and and he just happened to throw into conversation oh I've been having conversations with the man upstairs and she said really would you like to know Jesus? Would you like to commit your life to Jesus? And aged 87, he said, you know what? I think I would. And less than a year later, I had the privilege of taking his funeral and sharing with the, his friends and extended family. This is a man who had hope. He knew where he was going and he could not wait to meet his saviour face to face and I tell that story to say this let's never give up on anyone you know there are people in all of our lives who we think oh my goodness I can't imagine them ever meeting Jesus coming to faith but what if they did what if the key to this whole thing isn't just the words we speak isn't just the power and the presence of God what if the the final ingredient is persistence why don't we stand And so, Lord, we invite your presence right now. We pray, Father, would you fill us afresh with your spirit. Fill us with your presence, fill us with your power. Come, Holy Spirit. I've just had a sense this morning that the Lord is here and he's, he's present to heal. And we would, we would love to pray for you. If, if, if you know right now that there's something in your body that isn't right, so it could be a broken leg, it could be a, you know, a, a, something wrong with the tendons in your knee, it could be just, or, or it could be an ongoing stomach problem, or it could be uh, persistent migraines, or whatever it is. If you, like, if you'd be willing for us to, to pray for you this morning, would you just stick up your hand where you are? Okay, there's quite a few people. So the rest of us, we're going to have to like be the ministry team now. And so just have a look around you. If, you, if you're happy to, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you're anointed and appointed. If you're not sure, then I'll just give you a little kind of sign of the cross there. You go, that's you, anointed. Right, so just have a look. Just, we're going to need to move around. You might need to move around from where you're sitting right now. There's a lady at the back here. Could we pray? Someone? Okay, you've got like 10 seconds to just ask what the condition is. You don't have to say it out loud if you don't want to, but if you want to, just say what it is. And 
Father, we pray that by your spirit you would come right now and release healing in this place. Come, Spirit of God, the resurrection power of God. And just whilst we're doing that, there's maybe some people here and you're like, I just want to be more courageous in sharing my faith. I just wish that I was bolder. And I just recognize that that's something that God needs to do in my life. Would you just stick up your hand where you are? Yeah. And we may. Yes, Lord. And so we pray that one of the things the Holy Spirit does in the Bible is brings courage. Come, God. Come, God. Come, God. So about in Acts chapter 4, they, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Spirit of God. If someone's praying for you, you stay exactly where you are. I'm conscious of the time, so let me pray. And then we'll call an official end to the service there. And so, Lord, as we step out into this week, we go as your servants, as your ambassadors, as the heralds of your truth. And so we pray that you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit and send us out to live and to work to your praise and your glory. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and those who you love. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Stirling Vineyard Sunday podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, please visit our website at stirlingvineyard.co.uk or find us on social media at Stirling Vineyard Church. <laughs>